0: Are you ready for this one?
1: Yes. Happy New Year, Tim. Thanks, Bob. <laughs> Thank
0: you very much. I hope it is.
1: Oh, it's got to be, right?
0: That's what one says. I think it's like, it's got to be better than last year, right? These have been some crappy years, <clears throat> these last few. These are all the things people say, I feel like. It's always like, oh, here's the things are going to be different this year. You know, it's like, it's basically. What, yeah. what I ended up doing normally was I would go – I would I would travel home on New Year's Eve and I would go to the house, the girl I went to prom with, and I would drop my pants and I would just start peeing on her front door. And I would just be thinking like, it's got to be better than last year, right? And that's how I would start the year because it's like, who cares? It's just – it, it's just prolonged. It just keeps going. Nothing's changing. These goals you set are a waste. You know, crying while, while embracing someone you don't even like because <laughs> it's so crowded and you don't want to fall down. and There's nowhere to go. And, and you're drinking out of a paper bag. And you're thinking, this is it. This is how it happens. It's New Year's Eve. I'm going to go home and alone. Or you pee on this prom date's door. Hope her mom's home. Because her mom at least liked you. Hey, everyone ever, and welcome to 20th Century Popcast, the show where we try to understand the present while living in the past. My name is Tim Blevins.
1: And I am Bob Canning.
0: And Bob, this present is about to be passed, because we are heading into the new year, right? Happy New Year Woo! to you. Happy, uh, happy I 2000. I got a horn to blow. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I, and, and that's not just because grow. of... And that's just in conjunction with the episode, not because of the episode. I wish he had it, too, but, uh... Mm. Yeah, it's New Year's. We're celebrating New Year's on this episode, going into a 21st century year. Um, not actually a big fan of New Year's. Uh, I, I will say that sentence. Not a big fan at all. Um, do, do, you, do you do anything for it? Do you acknowledge it? Do you, do you
1: celebrate well, it? We've, we've recently, uh, looked, I think the last three or four years, have started a pretty fun tradition of having some friends over. Some, some newer friends, which is hard for me to make, but we've made some newer friends Um our kids went to school together, preschool together, actually, uh, and we got to enjoy their company, and we've gotten to be good friends, and so they've come over every New Year so far, and uh, the kids are at the age where they're just young enough that it's fun to stay up until midnight, so that's what we've been doing the last few years.
0: Now, do you think? And I know you have no way of knowing this, and I know it's a few years down the line. But eventually, when your kids, your your daughters are, you know, they're driving or they're social and they're out and they're going to other friends' houses for New Year's, they they want to get out of the house and do what kids do if you allow them to do that. Do you think you'll still see these people? Like, uh, are you getting friends, together yeah. because they have kids? It's not just because the no, kids are mutual. I
1: think I'd like to. I'd like to think we'll still see these people. So you I, like reading really the New Year
0: in with them. you like celebrating the change. Yes. Yes. These are,
1: are fine human beings that I enjoy. They're fun. They're funny. Um, the dad and I get along. I don't get along with a lot of people, and the dad and I get along pretty well. Uh, and, and my wife and his wife get along swimmingly. Um, our kids don't always get along. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a testament to our adult friendships, that we still want to hang out together, that we'll deal with our kids fighting a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, that's that's fine. That's good. I, I You know, I don't do – we don't – Allison and I don't do much for New Year's. And part of it's just because celebrating that day, like being in that group, it almost – I feel it adds this – unless it's someone you are very close to, which it sounds like maybe you're close to these people. There's, there There's an added weight of this has to be important. We have to somehow make sure that this transition into the next year is a big deal, which – I don't really think is necessarily a big deal anymore. I don't make resolutions. I don't necessarily feel the pool. I mean, I feel old. I feel years passing. I feel sort of these, you know, these tarot card dominoes tumbling as I get older and older and time goes faster and faster. But I don't, I don't see the New Year's as this exciting thing anymore. You know, watching, staying up for it. I don't even know if I managed to do that most years. But there was a time, like I, I used to be very excited for uh for 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 new year's it used to be um <clears throat> something that that meant something and this goes back I think even even to high school but definitely once I was out of my parents home like college once I had the ability to drive places or be driven places once and even after that once I was in the city in the midst of it and you could get around by subways new year's did have something it was exciting you know it was about partying or drinking or being out and hooking up or not hooking up or just wandering around like there there was such a social life to it. But prior to that, I don't know, New Year's for me in high school, growing up and all, it was sometimes you know when i was younger it was sort of staying up with the babysitter cuz my parents were out and then as i got older it was staying up to watch the ball drop maybe hanging out with one friend but something that i used to like and probably still do but something i used to love actually especially once once i got into high school is at the end of the year the end of any given year calendar year came with it in the world, at least of pop culture, and I'm sure politically in magazines as well, but it came with all sorts of retrospectives. You know, you would get countdowns, the top 100 songs of the year, or, you know, what were the top five movies of the year, or here's a retrospective of all the musicians who died on meth this year, whatever, like there was always something... You know, yeah, representing the, the the bulk of the year, and I I love that. I used to devour I that stuff. You too. did too. So you have do you have memories going from year to year of these? Like, did you watch it on TV? Did you read it in Entertainment Weekly? Where did you get sort of your your looking back on it all?
1: My my mother actually started it with um with her Santa Claus stocking stuffers. So before I didn't believe in Santa anymore, my stockings would have uh, Life Magazine Year in Review oh. in it. That's cool. And then as I got older and knew that it was my mom, I suggested, hey, maybe you could put a couple more in there. So she ended up putting Life Magazine, Time Magazine, whatever year in review she happened to see um, that she could grab and be a stocking stuffer. So um, I don't think Entertainment Weekly was the stocking stuffer, but I would certainly get that uh, as I got older. Mm-hmm. Um and so yeah, I would usually do the magazines. I would watch the twenty twenties. I would watch the Barbara Walters specials, or at least watch the segments of the people I was interested in. I, I loved it. Yeah, absolutely. But you, it
0: sounds like you had a world view. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm assuming stuff like life and Barbara Walters cover pol- politics, cover sociological sure. aspects and events, which is great. I mean, I'm I'm impressed yeah. that you had that scope of the world because I did not. I mean, I guess, you know, I'd see some key moments like, oh, there's the baby who was in the well or there's the space shuttle that exploded or something, but not not to 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 throw detriment to either of those. Those are tragedies and whatever, but, you know, it's a tragedy that got that kid out of the well. I was hoping they would seal that up. But what I always went to, what I was focused on was was, was the pop culture, was like the movies, like I was saying, the movies, songs of the year and, and looking back in the year and I... I never did it like myself. Like it wasn't like I was making a list of what were the movies I saw this year, what was the books I saw this year, but or read. But I loved seeing what the world of entertainment gauged itself by. You know, MTV would air a special counting down the videos of the year, and I just we didn't have MTV, but friends did, so they would tape it for me. I would watch that, or you know, like there would be all these countdowns of these were the biggest movie moments of the year, and here's the TV shows that were the best of the year, and, and I just. That stuff I just devoured. I loved it because it was a way of encapsulating the culture of the time. I guess it was my introduction to how times change because I was able to look at, in retrospect, what I had heard that year, where we had come from that year, and then going into the next year with that on my mind, I think probably helped me a little bit understand how trends work, how inspiration works, how art is constantly moving. Like, I think there was a build off of these things, but... Whether or not I understood that at the time, I definitely just loved best ofs. Countdowns and best ofs were just the things that I embraced about the New Year's. I could care less about the Apple dropping, to Clark dropping, whoever was right. dropping. But, but these kind of things I love. So I thought today, something we could do today, it's a year-end episode, I thought we could do a similar thing, but keeping within the realms of the show. I mean, we do a show, it's about pop culture of the <clears throat> 80s and 90s and how it impacted us what, what it does for us and so to talk about this year in review to talk about 2017 beyond the fact that the politics of this year have been depressing and and and, and risk slashing worthy i think it also just it wouldn't fit in with the the general vibe of the show so i thought we could look Make back sure. and i know yep. you know this because we're prepped for it but look back <laughs> at a year pick one at random tim pick a year at random A year from our past? All right. Yeah, let's do it. I think what we'll do, let me hit this calendar generator. It's a bunch of side comic strips that I just had taped to my wall, but let me put them back in calendar form, flip through it, and find a year that we could both look at, discuss, kind of think of what were we doing in that year? What were we watching, reading, listening to, and then what was kind of just happening around us? And so the year I chose, and I think this year is important, I think this is a worthwhile year to review, I chose 19... Ninety-three. You remember nineteen ninety-three? Started in the nineties there.
1: That was a great year, nineteen ninety-three. A big transition year, I think, for both of us.
0: Mm-hmm. Why is that? Why? 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 Why such a transition?
1: That That was the year uh, we graduated from high school. That's right. And started started our first year at Emerson College. That was the year we as met. roommates.
0: Yes, nineteen ninety-three. Yes. You're right. A big transition, big changes, and also just the year that we met. So I thought, let's for this little retrospective, take a look kind of at that era, that time, that year, and see what the world was like for us in 1993, thinking back to ourselves in that year, what our favorites were that year, because that could change over time. But we're going to talk Mm -hmm. about first what our favorite of each of these categories was for the year, and then to see if it matches up or to see what else has, you know, how we developed beyond that year. We're going to talk about something that, you know, our favorites from that year that maybe we came to at a different time. You know, like it might have been sure. a song that came out that year that we now love, and it's our favorite song of that year. But maybe we just didn't hear it because of whatever reasons it is you don't hear it when it when it hits. Is that, that that that's that's all right, right? That's sensible ish. Totally makes sense. All right, how do you want? What do you want to start off with? What's 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 a topic you want you want to roll out here?
1: We can go with <clears throat> with whatever. I I will admit that the uh, the book um, topic is probably the weakest one. So I don't for at least for me. <laughs> okay. Um. Wasn't a heavy reader back then.
0: Well, then maybe we should focus on a visual medium, a visual storytelling medium, which the the one of television. Sure. In 1993, my favorite show, the the comfort television that I brought home, and as we discussed on a whole episode about it, the shared point of reference between the two of us, uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000 would have been my favorite program. Um I will say 1993 that's the year that Joel Hudson the original host of the show left we got to watch that episode together Exactly. That's one of my greatest
1: memories. Not in our own room. We were in a room around the corner, around the hall. Yeah, because we didn't have a TV in our room at the time.
0: I think I turned my back on the show a little bit when Mike came on. I just Part of it was, was the nervousness of a new host, and part of it was just I couldn't sustain it. I couldn't find the two hours when it was on and aired to watch it anymore. So it was almost a relief that maybe now I was like, ah, this is not a show for me, but... I was still indulging the show through most of the 90s. And I'm sure whenever I went home or home for the holidays, I would watch my tapes. Maybe we even watched yes. some of the tapes. But yeah, oh, the show. We, would
1: watch, we would watch the tapes after we left school and we're living together. We, we, I think we watched more Mystery Science Theater um, in, in our apartments together than we did in, in college.
0: Yeah, but still, I mean, in 93, at least, you know, I was, it was still the main show. It's what I thought television could be. What what would your favorite show have been? What were you watching in 1993?
1: Um, that's right up there, it, and I, this is maybe even a tie. But I I wrote down I, I picked The Simpsons. Oh, um, in what season? What season? Four. That
0: would be season four. It was season
1: season four. Well, the end of, um, the end of season four, the beginning of season five. Oh, okay. What are, if, we, if we're talking about the whole year, what are some episodes that came out of
0: season four?
1: Season four has Marge versus the monorail okay, that's, yeah. and Whacking Day and Ralph Wiggum's I Love Lisa episode where, she, where he choo-choo chew, chew, chooses him. <laughs> um, season five opens with Homer's Barbershop Quartet and it has the great um, Sideshow Bob Cape Fear episode. Okay, see, I probably
0: I don't remember watching it in college as much. I definitely was still watching it because I think it was on Thursday nights. Was it still on Thursdays at this point, or had it moved? I, I don't know for sure. I th-
1: think it had moved to Sundays by this time, but I'm not. Popping.
0: Okay, I because I remember like the Monorail episode. I remember season four. I think a lot of people would call this their heyday.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's you know, it's one of those weird things where The Simpsons for me has become so kind of ubiquitous that I don't necessarily remember a time without it. That it that isn't to say that isn't to say that I was watching it uh, religiously during 1993. <laughs> I know we must have gotten a TV or something in the room because I remember
0: later in the season episodes. I remember like this episode where he goes into space. I think aired that season and a couple other episodes. Yeah, I remember we, coming back to it thinking I don't like this show as much. Something in that little span oh, of time, I was like, oh, something slipped. This is and you know to, to go back now, those are still great episodes. But I think. When you're watching, when you have the momentum of watching something week to week, and then you take a break from it, sometimes it's hard to pick that rhythm up again. And and what you realize yeah. is part of what made it, and it's still a good show. But part of what makes something so so spectacular and and so engaging is the ritual that accompanies it. You know, this every Sunday night ritual of a program gives it this religious weight or this 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 you know must see weight. It gives it adds a, a gravitas to it. That when you break that pattern up, yeah, you you stumble to to, to find the weight of the show again, even though it might be as strong as it was before. Were there any shows that premiered that year that maybe you went back to? Can you think of anything that is specifically here it is in 93, but later you came to it?
1: Yeah, there's a couple, actually. Um, One I think we might share. Mm
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, And that would be The X-Files.
0: Yes. Holy shit, yes.
1: 1993 represents the debut of The X-Files. Which we saw our first episode together. Um, And I don't know if you remember this, but in that room in Charles Gate, once we had the TV, there was an episode. About the face um, on Mars? I think the episode was called Space. Is that? Yeah. That's
0: the one we, yeah, we even taped it. We We did? taped it. Yeah. Because I have that tape still. I hated it. I thought it was awful.
1: <laughs> My memory of it is that we were flipping around and we saw this guy kind of freaking out in space or like looking stunned. And then there was like this ghost thing. I mm. haven't seen this episode
0: in four. I ever. have. It's not great. Maybe I put the tape in. For some reason, I have part of this on tape. Chris Carter has said that's the worst episode of the series or at least the oh, yeah. first season. It is. It's. Uh, I think you're right. It's called Space. It's about the face on Mars. It is, And you're right to say I, this is a favorite show from the year. It's a little bit of the bending the rules because, yeah, I that's not the season I watched. Right? We didn't watch season one. We started with season two. Um, but also, I, I did know the show existed. I remember the ads leading up to it. I remember the hype for it, which was Fox-level hype back then, not huge for it being on Friday nights. And I just remember being angry at the show. I remember not wanting to watch the show because the show originally debuted Friday nights at 9 p.m. That's when it aired, which is a great, great time. I think that's a wonderful time. Throughout high school, at least the last two years of high school, Friday nights I was usually home by myself in the basement, eyes locked on TV at 9 p.m., probably even taping a program called Sightings. Do you remember the show Sightings?
1: I loved sightings.
0: It was kind of like a news show about UFOs, about the unexplained, about ghosts. and, and But they, they yeah. focused a lot on UFOs. And I went to this show as my CNN, as my BBC America, <laughs> whatever the news source I was going to go to. I went to this every week. I don't know if it was half an hour or an hour. I don't remember.
1: I think it was an hour.
0: And it was canceled, pulled from the schedule to make space or at least was replaced by the X-Files. And what's weird is I remember watching it up through the August and even seeing commercials for the premiere debut of the X-Files and thinking like, what's this phony show? What's it trying to do with the supernatural? And just, I was so (laughs) against it and I'm
1: so glad I fucking got over that. Cause that's funny. You love uh, that show.
0: I like the fact that it premiered the year I went to college, the year we went to college and met because it did seem like, and again, we'll get into it in another episode, but that was such a turning point. (coughs) excuse me, in so many things of my life and perception of both art, culture, reality, unreality, storytelling, television, all sorts of things came from that show. And it's nice that it was kind of at this little moment. And I'm embarrassed that I wasn't with it from the beginning. You know, I stuck with it till the end, which no one else did. And I missed that first season. And when I watch it now, I'm like, this is a great show. This is a great thing to come out of 1993 that could never be replicated again. And yeah, we'll talk about that. But that, that was the, that's the show I think of. Are, are there other shows that premiered in 93 that you could think of?
1: Uh, well, going back and looking at it, I saw that The Late Show, David Letterman's Late Show on CBS premiered in 93.
0: And were you a David Letterman fan? Were you watching him through high school?
1: See, I didn't watch it in high school. I I caught some things here and there, but I didn't really watch it. I didn't stay up that late. I didn't watch it. Um, and even in college, I didn't watch it so much, but near the end of college and after college, I watched it religiously. I didn't miss a night to the point where, um, when I moved out to LA in 2000, I know we're not supposed to talk about 2000, but it's in reference to the late show. Um, my wife and I immediately, as soon as the DVR was something you could buy, we bought the first one we could get the first TiVo. The first TV we could get solely so I could record The Late Show because I was working a, a night shift at the time and I was making it on a VHS. That's how much I didn't miss The Late Show.
0: You know what else debuted in 1993? You want to talk talk shows that aren't Conan O'Brien.
1: Oh, are you going to say Space Ghost?
0: No, I was going to say The Chevy Chase Show. Single-handedly <laughs> the worst <laughs> – Television
1: and ended that year. Program,
0: okay. yes. Before I got to catch an episode, I was very excited. This is a testament to how, thankfully, I've changed. I used to be an enormous Chevy Chase fan. I thought he was comedy genius. I thought he was a master of delivery, deadpan and whatnot, and very handsome to boot. And when I heard he had a talk show coming up, that's I wanted to fucking see it. And I cursed the fact that I was at school without a TV because I was like, I can't see the hilarious <laughs> Chevy Chase show. I bet he falls down. I bet he does the news. I bet he's just improvising all over the place. And I just didn't get to see it to the point that I think Thanksgiving would have been the first time I would have been tuning in maybe because I went home for the holidays. I'm like, I'm up. I'll watch a rerun. And it had been canceled. That show lasted maybe five weeks, which good for him. That's 25 episodes. I have since found some on YouTube. I'll put them in the show notes. I've watched them. It is a wonderfully painful disaster. From the I very, very... I, I'll put the first episode up then. I'll put it on uh, on our, our show notes. From the opening moment, it is just uncomfortable. He's out of his element. He's stumbling. He's, he's relying... I think he expected that I'll just have the pull of my movie Gravitas and it's just painful and how eye-opening to be entering in, uh, you know, this communications college of Emerson where I was going to study playwriting and then it became screenwriting and then it became writing. I didn't know what I was going to study but the fact is I, I was under the impression that, oh, here is where the medium is treated as art and I was open, my mind was open to the fact that some things are not art in this medium. Some are failures, some are gratuitous and disastrous and the Chevy Chase show Spoken only of in legend until YouTube had some episodes up on it, was that. So why don't we stay on this uh, visual theme? How's that for a segue? Right, that's okay.
1: Uh, movies. Let's talk movies. Yeah, I wrote down hmm. a lot here. Oh, you did. Yeah, I've got I've got two that I go back and forth. It's like which one was the one was my favorite? Which would be the best of mm-hmm. uh, of 1993? I go between The Fugitive. Oh. And and Groundhog Day, I saw The Fugitive. I think twice in the theater, which was rare for me mm-hmm. um, at that time.
0: Well, The Fugitive was I remember because two days before I went away to college and actually moving up to Emerson, that's when I saw it. It was the last movie I would have seen before college. I saw it with a friend of mine, a friend of mine named Robert Najako, Bob Najako. We saw it together, and I remember sitting there thinking, like, well, I won't be doing this again. Because there was just this feeling that things were changing because of college. But but what about Groundhog's Day? Because that, that's a movie, I, I don't feel like The Fugitive has has lasted. I feel like it was a big deal when it came out, a thinking person's TV adaption, and it got some Academy Award yeah, notice. But...
1: It did. Tommy Lee Jones won the Academy Award. Did he win it for that? He won the Best Supporting Actor Award for for uh, Is The that, Fugitive. Did he deserve it? Did he earn it? Well, Schindler's Schindler's List came out that year as well. And so I think there was some controversy that I don't know who the, the supporting actor would have been in Schindler's List. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know who was nominated. But I think that, yeah, it was kind of a Marissa Tomei sort of move. I think it was seen as a, a surprise.
0: That he got the, the win or that we didn't make any jokes in regards to Schindler's List. Good on us, by the way. For me... Um, the one that I can use to sum up that year for me in multiple ways, the movie that was just unlike anything um, I had ever seen. It epitomized, you know, my favorite filmmaker at the time, even though I know he didn't actually direct it. Um, And, and, but just the artistry of it, the look of it, the sound of it, the nightmare before Christmas uh, came out that year, came out that October. And that movie, I remember the buildup to it with all these comic book ads with the drawings. I remember the first clips I saw on commercials. I remember having a making of book about how all the puppets were made. You know, it was my first semester semester at Emerson, and this thing came out that I was so excited for. And I just, I, I take a lot of solace in that film. Like, I remember my parents came to visit end of October. They came up possibly with my sister. Probably they stayed over. Um, that movie was out, and it seems counterintuitive to like having you know coming up to hang out with your child, but they took <laughs> me to see it, and we saw the movie together, all of us. and I was so excited, you know, because I used to get nervous at college a lot. I didn't like being there at first, but we went to saw this movie, and from that very first dizzying shot of the woods, I just I couldn't get over how much I loved this movie. It just looked spectacular. I so loved the the model work, the animation. I mean, that was stuff that I loved, and that night
1: that very night i i went and i saw it again this is actually the movie i wrote as the movie i i went back to because i don't remember it from 1993 but i remember it from living with tim blevins oh um and i might have seen it when it came out i don't remember but i watched it with you hundreds of times really? Sorry. and that's where i fell in love with <laughs> oh. no no that's where i fell in love with it mm-hmm. um it it uh it's just a fantastic movie. The soundtrack would be played, and it was um, fantastic. I've got one other – well, actually, I have two other that I, I would go back to, but I I, I lean on this one. Um, so I Married an Axe Murderer. Yeah.
0: What a bizarro movie. It's something worth doing an episode about.
1: It, it, uh, we could retroshock that one because I used to I, – I would watch that a lot. I, didn't, I don't remember watching it in 93. It wasn't like one of those that – came out and I was uh, enamored with, but I became enamored with it. Um, I had the soundtrack before I saw the movie. I'm I think, the I, yeah. That's, that's
0: where I first heard There She Goes by The Laws was first from the
1: And movie. also by uh, the Inspiral Carpets. Yeah, the Boo Radleys. That's right. I was thinking yeah. the Inspiral Carpets, but that was the Boo Radleys. Isn't that strange that they had two versions of the song on the, on the soundtrack? I think so. <laughs> yeah. So we'll talk about that one another time.
0: Was there another movie you were going to mention?
1: East and Confused. Yeah,
0: that came out that year. Did you see it that year? No.
1: No, Um, It was another one where just I came to it on DVD or or VHS at the time uh, later and just kind of watched. I don't even – it was one of those – I probably came to it a a few years after college, like after senior year because I worked at a blockbuster and I was taking movies home, and I probably took that home one time and watched it, and watched it alone and just was tickled by it and just thought it was this laid-back kind of cool movie.
0: I like it. It does not hit me the way. Like, people love that movie. That was a defining movie for a lot of people. I know a lot of careers came out of it. <clears throat> people really identify with it, love it. I like it, and when it's on now, I'll if, if we flip by it, I'll watch some of it. But yeah, I never... Like I, I, you know, the testament of movies for me used to be Did I buy it on VHS. I never bought that one. I bought, <laughs> I bought Slacker, the movie did before that. I bought it Before Sunrise, the movie did after that. But yeah, that one I, I like it. It's a good movie, but I just I don't. It doesn't resonate for me the way that that it did in, in the culture of college at that time. But I get why it was big. I remember it being big when I was at school.
1: Yeah, I don't. I can. I remember the soundtrack being big. Yeah. I don't remember the movie so much at that time.
0: Soundtracks in general were big. I, I mean, I'm. That is like kind of how I got into some movies, I think, and I think it would serve as a good segue maybe for us to talk about our final category here. Yeah, music specifically music. albums. Well, because music is what I next. Well, comic strips and music is what I think of with you, because comic strips are what you do <laughs> and talking about. But in terms of shared pop culture, maybe. I always feel like I can learn something about music from you. I feel like you're a little more attuned to to it than I am and know a little bit more about it. And I don't know if that was the case in 1993. I know you said that once before. There's a lot of repetition once you do 40 episodes of a show. You may not have used to be, but that's what I'm thinking of. That knowledge doesn't dissipate just because you had it. What I think is interesting. (laughs) Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no, no. You, you. Well, what I think is interesting is that knowledge I don't think was there in 1993. I don't think yeah, coming into college. Say, oh, this is what you were going to say. Well, I'm so glad yeah. I interrupted you. <laughs> Shit, I'm sorry. <laughs>
1: that's okay. I
0: want to yeah. hear no. your perception of music in 93 because, yeah, you didn't have any of the albums I equate with your understanding of music yet, I don't think.
1: there. There is an album. I'm going to – my favorite album looking back on 1993 – I think the big album that I liked from 1993 was uh, Pearl Jam first, Okay, which
0: we've talked about on the show. Express right.
1: That. But that was music that I I knew Pearl Jam before coming to college. What really stands out as my favorite album of 1993 is Letters to Cleo. Oh. Aurora Gorialis. Talk about that a little bit because that was Boston-based. We were right in town for that. Yes. Were they big yet when we got there? They were big in Boston or at least in the circle of people that I knew. Yeah, but like you're saying, I didn't come to college with a huge music uh, collection or music knowledge. I had probably five CDs, and I could probably name them even right now. Um, I had Billy Joel's River of Dreams.
0: Which came out this year.
1: <laughs> which came out this year. I had Harry Connick Jr., We Are in Love. Which also may have come out this year. Um, I had Living Color. Vivid. They're Vivid. Um, I didn't even have, I don't think I had Huey Lewis on the news on, on uh, CD yet. Mm -hmm. Those were my tapes. (laughs) Um, and I think I had a a Genesis album. Um, we can't dance.
0: Oh, you did. Oh, you did. Yeah.
1: So, so that was the music I came to college with. But then when I got to college and I was in Boston and I was hearing new music on WBCN and I was hearing music in the hallway and I was within walking distance to cheap albums and used record stores and Newberry Comics, um, I started. That's when I really started enjoying and learning and trying to gather and collect music. And one of the first uh, bands I remember hearing, and it was because it was played by somebody uh, at the student union at Emerson College, was Letters to Cleo. And a this great was fucking played... time to be finding music. Oh, it was so good. Um, yeah, I've got the list here. The list includes, and I didn't hear these bands at the time, although I heard Breeders at the time. They're, they're, okay. uh, that, uh, what's last, splash? last splash, but what's the Cannon, Cannon yeah, Cannon, was the song? Cannonball.
0: Yeah, that comes so that I heard you.
1: all the time and I heard Belly and oh, belly, God, I Breeders, fucking love belly. belly Breeders and Letters to Cleo, they all had albums come out in 93, <clears throat> but it was Letters to Cleo that I heard first. And it was because Siobhan Donovan, who, I don't know if you remember Siobhan Donovan no, but I recently somewhere.
0: learned how to spell Siobhan, and it's not how I would have thought.
1: There's a B and an H in there, and you wouldn't think Bond. so. Siobhan, yeah.
0: um,
1: Her brother, I'm not sure if I'm remembering this correctly, her brother was either friends with the drummer, like good friends, like the drummer might have even like lived with them for a time, um, or her brother was the drummer.
0: And just hated himself and wasn't his friend.
1: I can't remember, but so she had the album before it was released. I remember her talking about it and playing it and listening to it. And it was one of the first albums I bought that wasn't something my mom also enjoyed. Um, And so... There is a crevasse
0: range of difference between knowing the drummer in a band and being the drummer in a band. (laughs) Those aren't the same thing.
1: No, it must have been it was just one of those weird.
0: The story is over- better with he's a drummer in the band, so my guess is the reality was he was friends with the drummer.
1: That's that's probably it. And it was I wasn't friends with her at the time that I overheard this story and this album. But you want it to be because you wanted to be friends be- with
0: someone who had a friend who
1: knew the drummer that's, from this band you Absolutely. Just heard. We became closer later. Um so I'm still friends with her, so I should reach out and see what the what the story is. That's cool. Um no, but Belly, yeah, I remember, was, I remember was,
0: Belly from high school. That's one of the few indie bands I knew because um, was it Be the Feed Trees the Tree was, was on I the did. radio. And, you know, you used to have to, um, on your books in high school, maybe you didn't have to do this, you'd have to cover them with newspaper covers, make like a book yeah, cover. I did that. And, you know, I would draw on it and yeah. stuff. And I had the lyrics to Feed the Tree. I wrote some of those because I was home sick one day and it was on the radio and I wrote them down. I loved that song. I love that band.
1: That's a, that's oh, a great we band We should talk song. about them and throwing
0: really... muses someday because – Those are two of my favorite people in that band. I had a friend who had a friend who saw them perform. Or maybe my friend performed for them. I don't remember, but it's one of those two.
1: Well, we should get that friend on the show and find out. And we'll bring Siobhan on, too. Yeah, there you go. (coughs) Um, One thing I loved about Boston, and I don't know if this is true, but just in my head, probably because of this year and these three albums, it seems like it had a lot of female-fronted bands, and I love that about Boston. Belly, Throwing Muses, Breeders. Letters to Clio, and then later like uh, Dresden Dolls and. That's much Jesus. later though. That's like two thousand. Yes. I won't even mention them. That's off our radar here. Sorry. About that. <laughs> well, no, I'm just saying.
0: But yes, I mean, there, there. You can say that there, it was a great time for a culture accepting female fronted bands, or you can say over the course of twenty years there were four. Those are two different senses. <laughs> was Juliana
1: Hatfield Boston?
0: Yeah. Julia yeah. Hatfield, I kind of knew. She used to come to the coffee shop I worked in all the nice. time. We would talk. We interacted. I never acknowledged that I knew her for her music, but deep down inside, I'm like, God, I know this person for her music. Thought she was great. She thought it was okay. She used to wave to me. We would talk, blah, blah, blah. That's I would cool. always make these mixed CDs and play them at work. Um, and then one day, a song of hers was playing um, a song of- oh, And off was she of, there? And she came in. And I oh, saw yeah? her come in, and my heart dropped. And I got so nervous and sweaty because I was like, "Oh God, she's gonna know I know who she is." She came up to the counter. She looked very uncomfortable. She was shifting, but she didn't know it was your tape. I was shifting. Well, she did, because I, or or she <laughs> did. She she knew I was connected because I looked at her, and she looked uncomfortable. And I was like, "I know, right?" Is what I said. <laughs> and she goes, "I just, I just don't like hearing my own voice." And then Aww. to make her feel better. To smooth things out, to make the situation—you pulled the tape out <laughs>
1: of the the player and smashed and it. Ate on the it. Counter.
0: No, I said to her, thinking, "Well, this 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 will be the same." I was like, "Yeah, I've heard myself on a answering machine before. It's the same thing, but that's okay." <laughs> I didn't say this with sarcasm or humor. I said this legitimately to be like, I totally get what you're going through. I share it to you. Aren't we different from these people? Let's not speak of it again. And we did because we didn't really speak much after that. What a dumb fucking thing to say. What a dumb, <laughs> dumb, dumb thing to say.
1: It's hard. It is hard to talk to um a celebrity. That you enjoy, who you maybe respect. Yeah, I never like want music. to meet them, I, and the an opportunity doesn't come like up that, that much. But have you? I've had a few. I've been. I've had a few, and I blow them every time. I don't blow the celebrity. Mm-hmm. I blow the opportunity to have some sort of meaningful interaction with the celebrity. Now let
0: me ask you this question because I've also had this happen before too. When when you're seeing or meeting a celebrity, are there situations where? Yes, there is a celebrity you really admire, you love their work and you're meeting them. Are there other situations where you're meeting the celebrity therefore you love their work and you're a big fan. All of a sudden it's like I'm the biggest fan of this podcaster or I'm the biggest fan <laughs> of this puppeteer. I don't really know what they do or what their work is, but because I'm meeting them I got to turn this into a story of how I'm somehow touching celebrity. Does that ever happen? Cuz that makes
1: it really awkward. That hasn't happened to me. I've I've run into a Usually it's like a parent situation where I've seen uh, celebrities and their kids because I was at the park at the same time or or at the mall at the same time or something. And if I'm not a big fan of theirs, I probably wouldn't say anything. Um, I might say, "Hey, get your kid off my kid. They shouldn't be fighting" or something to that effect. But uh, you hear me, Mindy Kaling? Get
0: your kid off my kid.
1: Uh... Uh, It was Julie Bowen. No, the the kids actually didn't fight, but Julie Bowen was there. If 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 I had thought about it, I probably would have said something about the TV show Ed. I like the show Ed.
0: Did you? Or is it because it's the other thing she's done? I did like Ed. No one did. No one liked Ed.
1: I liked Ed. I, there are people the who of the, liked Ed.
0: What's uh, the the Ed on that show? What's that actor's name? Uh, I
1: don't know. He's in The Flash now.
0: Yeah, he's okay on The Flash. He's not great. Yeah. But he was also on Love Monkey.
1: Go back. We should go back. Was Ed before 2000? I think it was.
0: Thankfully, no. It was 2000. Uh, 2000.
1: We should go back and watch Ed just for the fun of it. I don't think we can. I think all copies were destroyed. It had uh, the Mac, the Apple Mac kid. It had... Now I can't think of her name. I had such a crush on the girl in the episode that she she was uh, in... uh, Fuck! I can't think of things.
0: I already felt like this was a waste of time, but this is just driving the point home. You want to talk about Ed? The show was called Ed, and this was only two years after Ed TV was in the theaters, so they knew it wasn't a good idea.
1: Call <laughs> show Ed. I like the show Ed. Mm-hmm. I will. I stand by that. Make the T-shirt.
0: I, I like the show Ed. Okay, <laughs> you can do that because you can always finagle it to be something past tense <laughs> if it's not the show. I like the show different stroked.
1: Uh, I guess if the t-shirt said, I like Ed, it could be read as I liked. Right? That's what you're saying? Yeah. Well, I,
0: would, I would. I know how a sentence works. I'd probably <laughs> put the spaces in. I don't think I, I would crunch it all together like it's a <laughs> bunch of Roman numerals <laughs> counting up or down from something. But yeah. it's possible. I don't we have can, any shirt-making technology. That's why I think you're, 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 you're mis... You're misremembering me (laughs) as someone who has that and and picturing my apartment. Very different. Um, But music, sure. Sure. That's awesome for me. What was your favorite
1: album of the year, Tim?
0: Well, my favorite album of the year, I brought it with me. It wasn't something that I discovered in college. Although, like you're saying, I think college was nothing short of a perfect discovery for who I've become with the music and film and all. But we've talked about it on the show before. My favorite album in 1993 shouldn't be a shock. It was Paul Westerberg's 14 Songs. You know, nice. it was the album. Go back, listen to the episode if you want. You can hear us talk about it. I was so sure that this album was me. It was a track by track, like soundtrack. Yeah. Uh, to who I wanted to be. And as I was moving into Boston, you know, and living in Boston, I was discovering the replacements you know, I, I, the early 90s was, was, was a, kind of a weird time, you know, like because not all music was available the way it is now. Like I think albums from the 80s weren't always sitting there in the record store. You weren't always there for available. You weren't buying stuff online. They could order it for you maybe. Right. But I, would, I didn't see the Replacements' entire catalog. I wasn't even aware of their entire catalog until probably another year or two later. I was getting into them, but I, I knew them because I knew this Paul Westerberg album, and I knew them for their Don't Tell a Soul album, but I wasn't hearing a lot of their other music. But having this Paul Westerberg album as my guide and coming to Boston, and I started to experience the idea of used record stores, which I don't think I'd ever been in before college. Yeah, me too. But I was going into you too, So, you know, you would kind of flip through and you'd be like, oh, these are much cheaper than normal CDs. <laughs> and then you're starting to see stuff that may be like, oh, I didn't know this was a thing or I haven't seen this before. And then the thing that really opened my eyes, and it was with Paul Westerberg that I eventually seized this moment, bootlegs. You know, back then, again, you couldn't... You didn't have the benefit, and I think it's great, of YouTube where there's all these concerts that you can hear, live versions, alternate versions. You can find the performances of your favorite band. You had to seek out records, tapes, or CD bootlegs. And once I was aware that that existed, I would see like Aerosmith bootlegs. I think our friends Joe and Chris had Doors bootlegs. I was convinced that I wanted to find a fucking Paul Westerberg bootleg. And that wasn't easy to come by. And I spent most of freshman year, 93 into 94, searching for that. But in that process of searching, I came across so much more music. The rest of the Replacements albums, uh, Richard Hell, um, Throwing Muses, which is someone we didn't mention before, all these things just by going to record stores and seeking it out, and all because 14 songs was just my favorite stuff to hear. So he was becoming my favorite musician you know i think prior to that it was billy joel and aerosmith were vying for that position but paul westerberg with this album kind of hitting at the right time again i got it before i got to college but it would have been that summer and it was just this driving force and it became this soundtrack similar you know we talked in the pearl jam episode about the elderly woman song and that's that's a big thing too but yeah it was fucking 14 songs i I, was a cd I remember bringing that. I know I brought all my CDs. I didn't have many at the time, but fourteen songs is the one I remember being in that case and listening yeah. to constantly.
1: Yeah, what I, it's for me. I think it's about how when you're younger, pre-college, uh, at least for me, it's just it's radio airplay mm-hmm. and it's MTV airplay, and unless you're staying up and seeking out, you know, 120 minutes. Or, you know, uh, searching the dial for something, left of the dial, so to speak, um, for something um, for something else. And I just wasn't. But I was people like, were. okay. Yeah. But other people were. I wasn't. Uh, but then when I got to Boston, it was just, it was far more commonplace. And it, it I was the outsider. I was the weirdo who had Genesis and Billy Joel.
0: Of all these things we're talking about, books, TV, show, film, I mean, I think they all... Coming into 93 was a big deal, but music is the thing that getting to college. I mean, we were fortunate enough to be there in the 90s because there was a lot of cool stuff happening. But also, I was. I was building up a love for 80s indie rock, and I was building up a love for pop songs I maybe didn't know growing up, and I was building up this affection and this way of hearing music that was very different and wasn't going to happen in Littletown, Connecticut. It wasn't going to happen there, like you said, because you're not staying up late to watch MTV. You're getting what you get, which is FM radio and your friend who brings in the Ned's Atomic Dustbin CD. And you're like, holy fuck, what's this? There's other sounds out there? So finding that stuff on my own and then being able to bring that stuff back. Like, that's the thing. Do you remember Christmas break, 93, going home, what that was like?
1: Oh, yeah. I I had a mixtape of stuff that I uh, gave to my girlfriend. Mm -hmm. Uh, who was like the same high school girlfriend from earlier in the year who I watched The Fugitive with. Um, And I remember sitting and I still do this. I'm the worst. Um, (laughs) I remember sitting with her as I watched her listen to the mix that I made. And I remember distinctly getting upset or at least least disappointed that she didn't enjoy the belly song that I had put on there. (sighs) Which Um, belly song was it? I think it was Feed the Tree. Okay. Uh, at that time, because, yeah, I think that's what it was. Um, yeah, so, yeah, it was definitely, it was fantastic. And and um, just, God, every spare nickel I had went to new music. Mm-hmm.
0: No, you love talking about music. You can tell. I, I get it, right? Yeah. And it's just, it was, and it, I I like how it ties into, and for me, and I think it sounds like it's you, it does tie into aspects of 1993, college, our friendship, Boston, all these things are intertwined. And it was just, 93 was also just a start. And I did this with films too. Not so much with TV, but with films and, and books and, and music. I started curating it. Yeah, whenever I went back home, which at first was every two weeks or three weeks, and then you know, through the years of college, it, it, the, the time frame spreads out, but... Starting in '93, I just became the person who was discovering stuff beyond the realms of where I was from and bringing it back. You know, and mm-hmm. everybody does this. I don't think I was unique, but I'm like, here's the cassette tape with, uh, you know, with fucking, with, you know, whatever you find on it, with with, with Bjork on it, or here's the Face to Face, Screeching Weasel, um, yeah. Sugar, uh, w- w- Buffalo Tom. Those are actually two bands that Nate, my friend Nate, got me into. But just like you, you start swallowing all the stuff up, and I think. The weird measurement with college for me, it ties in with the New Year's. This is maybe how we can wrap this up a little bit. It's just this, you know, you look back, you do this with years or you do this with a block of time and you look back at what you've acquired, what you've built up, what represents that period. Yeah. And that is the moment, you know, the music of 1993 wasn't the music of 93. it It was music is what we were listening to. And once we start talking about 94, 95, I'll know it a little better because then I can be like, ooh, Sponge, better than Ezra, Space Hog, and all these bands I know. But regardless of it, nothing is ever the year of this until it's done. And I think the stuff we're talking about now, these movies and, and books and things that resonate, they aren't necessarily just remnants of 1993, but they do stand to represent it. You know, I can't not think of any of the things we've talked about and not think of this year. And at the time, that's not how I viewed it. I didn't think that Nightmare Before Christmas was the movie of 1993. It just happened to come out then, but now it's attached to that. You right. know, and the changing hosts of Mystery Science Theater and all this, it just it ties into this year. So this end of the year, this Happy New Year bullshit and the celebration <laughs> of, of a new calendar, I guess within that is, there is a little bit of this curator mentality, which I think is why we're able to always talk about pop culture. There is a little bit of, now we have another measurement. January to December this year, this is the music of this year. Now, we're, now we've are now we got a clean slate. You know, Now we move forward. Now something else can come up. We can find something new. And I think we're always looking for new stuff. But I do think that there is this idea of the music of this year, this year, this year that January is kind of always a fun time. Even if I'm wildly depressed, which I normally am, Cause there is a little bit of that feeling of well, what's what's new, you know. Cause it's 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 a quiet time, you know. Like the, the the holidays are done, the Christmas movie rush is done, shows maybe are coming back from hiatus. It's a little quiet, and then stuff starts popping up again, and you're rebuilding your list for the next year. It's a weird cycle, I do think. This stuff is a little tied into the year-to-year date measurement, and and it's interesting to do a list like this, and maybe that's why I always loved it. I loved. End of the year retrospectives growing up. Yeah. I don't know if I still do, but I did then. And, and I think it's because, yeah, it's a little marker, you know, and it's, and it's also a way of making sense of stuff where it gives it a period of time. And so it's nice to have something to tether that to, which is the year of 93, college and us meeting and all of that.
1: Happy New Year, Tim.
0: <laughs> oh, happy, happy 1994, happy huh? 1994. That's almost here. Well, did you have anything else you wanted to say about music?
1: Uh, no, I think for 1993, I think we covered it. Um, we, we didn't talk about the bands we came back to, but I think I think we're at the end here, so we can do that another time. I
0: think so. Though something I'm going to quickly do, because I think what will be happening here is some hot lick track from 1993 will <laughs> be playing under what we're saying. I kind of coming over. a Oh, that'd be nice, but I think it's too short for what I'm about to do. I can pile the list of some events. I'm going to run through it, non-singing, non-we-didn't-start-the-fire style, just to to mention a few things to put us in uh, perspective. We can always edit this out or something, but uh, month to month, you're totally allowed to listen. (laughs) What did you say? (laughs) Yes, of course you can comment. So January 1993, Deep Space Nine, Monday Night Raw premiered, Andre the Giant died, dueling Amy Fisher biopics debuted on ABC and CBS. I like the Drew Barrymore one. I like the Alyssa Milano one. Uh, January, Fox expands its programming to seven nights a week. The Bodyguard soundtrack becomes the first album to sell over a million copies in one week. And in January 1993, Michael Jackson performed at a little something you enjoy called the Super Bowl.
1: I remember that. He was, This uh, I think might have been his second time.
0: Oh, well, that makes it less impressive. Oh, did the Jackson Victory Tour pass through there in 1985? Possibly. So in February of 93, the video game Star Fox is released, which is the first 3D home gaming experience. Uh, Never played it. I, I just I repeated the sentence I read I knew nothing about Star Fox the movie you mentioned before Groundhog Day came out as did The Crying Game um, and Oprah Winfrey airs an interview with Michael Jackson that was watched by 90 million viewers making it the highest viewed interview in broadcast history um, March Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3 hit the theaters Unforgiven won Best Picture and Brandon Lee died on the set of The Crow which we can talk about next year maybe Um, April, Tommy, the musical, opens on Broadway in Reign of the Superman, uh, began in Action Comics number 500 following the previous year's death of Superman. Uh, May, we say goodbye to Cheers, we said goodbye to the original cast of Saved by the Bell, and we should have said nothing to the Super Mario Brothers, which premiered as a movie that month. (laughs) Uh, Understanding Comics was released that month. And here's something that I think might interest you, unless I've got the information wrong, May 31st of that May. Wait,
1: I can tell you that is when Oasis played at Tut's Wawa Hut.
0: That is exactly right. And Alan McKee of Creation Records signed them for their first album. So big year, big
1: importance, right? Important Oasis year, yes. I think Uh, I've read the same Wikipedia page.
0: uh, You might have been. Do you know that in June, Jurassic Park, Last Action Hero, and Dennis the Menace premiered? Prince changed his name to a non pronounceable symbol in June, and 14 songs, the Paul Westenberg album I was mentioning, was released. That July, uh, Guns N' Roses plays their final show together until whatever happened this century. And We Can At Bernie's 2, Hocus Pocus, Free Willy, and the aforementioned So I Married an Axe Murderer came out. August sees Magic the Gathering being released for the first time as a card game. Mighty Morphin. I've never played that. Well, you still can never play it because it's still around. Uh, Mighty Morphin Power Ranger premieres on Fox. I know we've watched that. The Late Show with David Letterman premiered on CBS. Billy Joel releases River of Dream, which is a horrible last <laughs> studio album to go out on. And The Fugitive and Deadpool No. 1 are both released. That September, The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. premiered on Fox. Exos, I'd like to go back to that. I've actually never seen it. I know it exists, and I remember commercials seen for it. Two,
1: I remember seeing two episodes. thought it was a riot. Never found it again, never got back to it, then it got crazy. Yeah, I
0: think you pulled a Misfits of Science there and got that show yanked off the air. Thanks I, for nothing. Thanks for nothing, Briscoe. No says. Um, here's like a couple other shows you may have missed. Exo Squad and Rocco's Modern Life debut in September of 93. Um, Hervé Villachez, however that's pronounced, and Raymond Burr both die. True Romance and Days Confused comes out. And The Chevy Chase Show debuts. And the first internet comic, Dr. Fun, is uploaded to the World Wide Web. You may remember that from the sentence I just said. Um, October, Vincent Price died. Frederick Fellini dies. River Phoenix dies. The Chevy Chase Show dies. Pearl Jam Versus is released. The first Got Milk commercial airs, directed by future childhood decimator Michael Bay. Demolition Man Mm. and Nightmare Before Christmas come out. Also, it was my birthday that month. Mine too. Mine too. Uh, that's true that is true uh, November Bill Bixby and Anthony Burgess both die Wolverine has his adamantium skeleton ripped out by Magneto during the Fatal Attractions crossover event um, I read that yeah it was painful looking and probably feeling um, want to talk I about read pain. it the
1: next year actually
0: you read it in 94 well hold off yeah, until cause, next cause New Year's. you can talk all about that I will Um, You know what else was painful this month? That was the segue I was trying to do, but then your sentence, which I should allow you to talk more. I'm sorry. God, I'm talking right over your arm. Ernest Rides Again came out. Adam's Family (laughs) Values came out. Mrs. Doubtfire came out. And Snoop Dogg's Doggy Style came out, setting a sales record for debuting artist and fastest-selling hip-hop album. Urbana. You listen to that one all the time. I don't know it. I'm embarrassed to say those sneak dogs work, except for his cooking with Martha Why is Stewart. That embarrassing? Because he's a major persona of our youth. It's it's kinda like if somebody said, Oh I never listened to the Beatles. It's like how did you not? He was everywhere. How do I not know an album of his? Why do I know him now? Because he was with Martha Stewart. <laughs>
1: Uh, you you know it. I'm sure you know a sing a single from him, right? I
0: think I do. I couldn't name it by name. Snoop
1: Doggy Dog song. Snoop Doggy Dog. That song. Is that the one
0: where the dogs get that's out? Is the one I know? Is he the ones where the dogs yeah. get out?
1: No, no, no. That's, that's a Is he dog. who did that? Was that him? He is not. not. He is not. All right.
0: Uh, Nirvana played their unplugged concert in New York in November because they were still a thing. And then finally in December, uh, Batman, Mask of the Phantasm comes and goes from the theaters. Uh, Wayne's World 2 does a similar feat. Schindler's List is released for the end of the year, I guess. And Frank Zappa dies. That was a lengthy list. I wonder if anyone listened to that. If you did, thank you. That was our rich. You missed one big
1: thing. I, I thought was a big What's thing. That? Animaniacs premiered that year. What,
0: uh, when did that? I don't know what
1: month. I, what month. Probably I don't know September. what month. September? I'm going to say September. But- I would think possibly so.
0: September. Well, the I'm end. Sorry, <laughs> that is the end. <laughs> Looks like we dropped the ball on a on a year hence past. Uh, check us out. Check us out on 20 popcast.com. That's the website where you can see this or listen to this and other past episodes. You can follow me at
1: subcultist. I am at RH Canning. Um, and if you want to learn more about my favorite music and music that I got into in college, I would suggest checking out superultramegamix.com. Or superultramegamix.wordpress.com yes. cuz I'm cheap and I'm paying for the free site. <laughs> it's a costly
0: free site. But what is that site? Won't you say again what that site is?
1: Oh. Yeah, I have uh, I'm I'm going through my uh mixtapes that I still have in my possession in chronological order. Uh, retelling my life story and talking about the music on the table. It's
0: worth checking out, people. It's worth checking out this year because we're not going to be back until next year. And I promise you, uh, a lot more coming next year. I guess I can't say I promise you this could be the last episode. But if it's not the last episode, more episodes coming. Hopefully, you'll check it out. Um, we'll see how we're doing in the new year. Hopefully, we'll play around with the format a little bit and learn a way to hasten the length of these closings. <laughs> but uh, until next year... Happy New Year, Bob. Happy 1994. Here's to 1990 more. Huh? Clink. Clinks. Colonel Clink. Here's to the hilarious antics of Hogan's Heroes and not a single death on that Nazi watch. I don't think so. I don't think anyone ever died on Hogan's Heroes. Did you watch Hogan's Heroes? You ever see that show? I've seen Hogan's Heroes. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a. It's uh, considered I, a classic. To,
1: comedy classic. It's it's of its time, I guess. What does that mean? I guess at that time it was maybe edgy and could be considered a classic. you think it made I'm the year-end hits now.
0: list? Or you're not. I'm sure it did. Perhaps it did. I'm sorry, it didn't make ours. Uh, catchphrase.
1: You know, there was... was New Year's Eve is the only time I've ever publicly urinated. Oh, really? That's true. Yeah, that's a true thing. One time... That's it? Yep. How do Well, I mean, I'm not counting my backyard.
0: No, you don't have to count. That's not public. But I... Really? Never around... How did you get around Boston after drinking without peeing?
1: That's that's where I did it. I did it... I was... That was New Year's Eve in Boston... I found um, some steps that let down, don't know why, Yeah. Um, near near an office building. I went down those steps, I urinated, I came back up those steps.
0: I bet someone went down after you. Are these the men's steps or the women's steps? Well, nowadays <laughs> you don't have to ask that, thankfully, because one thing I has changed.
1: But other than that, I would always go to the, the restroom prior to leaving the place oh my God. where we were. Really? Yeah, but that night we were outside. Yeah. That was 1999. That was... That was that New
0: Year's. Yeah, season. we didn't spend that one together. I <clears throat> we were separate. Well, we spent the start of it together. That's true. Before like, yes, seven. And then, we split and then yeah, I didn't want to ride the trains because I thought Illuminati's going to strike. Yeah. I probably peed in this park like Tuesday would be my guess. Like Tuesday <laughs> at like six forty in the morning. I, I and it's not dark. Like I'm, I'm shocked that you've only done it. The year that the Millennium Bug was supposed to hit. And you're probably like, well, they, can't, they won't be able to film this. Or if they did, the cameras will die. But no, that's shocking to me. Oh, my God. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Do you
1: have any resolutions for 2018? Maybe tied into that? two thousand eighteen. Honestly, I do have one. I don't know if I would call it a resolution, but I do want to make the comic more regular. Oh. Um, I always get a nice reaction when I post something, and I just wish I could make it regular because I really enjoy that's doing cool. it. That's cool no, that's great
0: man i I thought you were gonna make a joke about peeing. that's why I said it, but that's good too. What you said is good. What
1: too. are you gonna do uh in this new year, Tim? what's your plan? I start taking dumps in public no i don't i don't I don't know. <laughs>